welcome to episode 12 of the Microsoft Spotlight podcast with me, Andrew Moran, and my co-host, John Jarvis. This episode is proudly sponsored by BitTitan. Check out their website today to find out BitTitan can migrate you to the Microsoft Cloud. Now, John, we'd like to introduce our first guest today, please. Hey, Andrew. Yes, um, today I would like to introduce you to Sarah Fenner, who, in my opinion, is the best Microsoft certified trainer out there, um, having worked with her uh, last year or the year before. So, Sarah. Um, I think that was pretty, pretty high <laughs> to start with, but I'd like to introduce yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, what can you say after that? Thank you. Um, yeah, so I've been a trainer for, oh, I've been Microsoft Certified Trainer for 14 years, but ever since I graduated, worked in education. So uh, originally did a German degree, taught secondary school. Um, quickly realised that classrooms full of teenagers were not my comfort zone. Um, 30, 13-year-old girls trying to teach them French was not entertaining. Um, and I ended up in IT by accident, and here I am, yeah, uh, training mainly Microsoft 365 products. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's really my day-to-day. -day. You know what I found, I found quite funny? This is um, the... 11th podcast now. I know it's episode 12, but I think this is the 11th time we've done this now. <laughs> but um, I think every single person has come on and said, I got into IT by accident. That is not like this so common. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I mean, I basically borrowed a computer from a friend to look for something else to do once I decided to leave teaching. And he was setting up a software consultancy company and I took a phone call. And all of us, the client at the other end assumed I was the project manager. So I was recruited as the project manager. And <laughs> after, you know, a very steep learning curve, because he had to show me how to switch the computer on that morning. <laughs> um, here I am. I'm now teaching other people to do things a little bit more complicated than switching them on. That's crazy. I say you're the first MCT we've actually had on this uh, show and for those who don't know what MCT is, it's Microsoft Certified Trainer. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit about the programme? Obviously, you said you come from obviously teaching German. Now, obviously, they're teaching you know, people like me and John and the big wider audience. So do you want to tell us you know, how that started happening since you've gone from project management into being a teacher? Um, so um, a Microsoft Certified Trainer is um, a trainer who holds Microsoft certificates and has their training expertise either verified through my, by Microsoft through um, quality assessments, feedback forms, et cetera, and or um, training certifications. Now, obviously, being a qualified teacher, um, I didn't need to attain any extra certifications once I applied for my MCT. But um, uh, as an MCT, we can deliver the official Microsoft courses around the products that we're certified in. Um, and I actually ended up here by from the project uh, by accident. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes and no. From the project management, um, I was also working with graduate software engineers, and at least at the time I was working with them and the people I was working with, they couldn't really use the computer. They could program it, but writing a spreadsheet, not a hope. Um, so I was working with them and training them and then between projects I was doing a little bit of freelance training on the office products as well 
And obviously, as Microsoft Office evolved and became BPOS and Microsoft 365, Office 365 originally, I've gradually moved with my skill set into the more technical training. So I'm quite unusual in that um, I haven't come into the technical training world from a technical background. Um, and I've moved from the office training into the IT pro arena. So that's, that's not a normal career path. So I've muddled everything up. Yeah, and um, I think something that you use is you say you're, you're born in the cloud. Yeah, I, I, I do. I like to call myself a born in the cloud admin um, because I've never been an on-prem admin. Yeah. I've, I've not administered a Windows server. I've not. To <laughs> it's a bit of a backward step, isn't it? Um, no, I've not. Uh, I, I've not run networks. So I've really come into the administration world purely from the Microsoft 365 product. So how did you find out about the MCT program? What kind of got you interested in, in, in that in the first place? And then why did you go for it? Well, I, I had a really bad experience. I, I delivered an Excel course and I didn't know what I should have done. OK, so it didn't go well. So I decided I needed to learn some more about the product. And I went and did the Microsoft Office Excel certification. So I found the certification, went for that, realized I could become a certified instructor because at that time you couldn't be an MCT. MCT was only technical. So it became a mouse, as they called it, MOUS, Microsoft Office User Specialist, a mouse master instructor. And um, then um, I also took some project certifications, which allowed me to become an MCT. Um, and because I was already in the instructor scheme, um, I became aware of the MCT okay. and moved on. And um, but always freelance. So it, it was quite eye opening when I realized quite what a big community there is amongst MCTs as well. So. So we'll say, do you have like your own LinkedIn group or what, what's the what's the community behind that or is there? <laughs> There's a whole variety. Um, I mean, as MCTs, we have regional leads yeah. um, who for each geography where there are significant concentrations of, of trainers, um, there are people appointed to be effectively the go-betweens between the trainers and Microsoft mm -hmm. um, and to support trainers in finding the information they need to do that to do the training and they run a variety of events they run linkedin groups there's facebook groups um and um you know we're we're actually running an event in the uk in october for uk mcts hopefully face to face fingers crossed well, we will see you there i think yeah. I am more than welcome. I'll send you the details. <laughs> like because of COVID, obviously, you know, training has obviously come obviously a bit difficult, especially if it's your day-to-day -day job. Obviously, so you're used to a classroom, having attended courses in the past, you know, in that classroom, five days, four days, wherever long the course was, with the instructor, with actual physical machines, doing the labs. How you got around that with Microsoft and I mean, obviously with obviously M365, it's 
kind of quite easy with set up a, you know, a demo tenant, spin up a, you know, a, a online subscription for a short period of time. But how have you found it? Obviously, that being your day-to-day job, difficult. It was actually surprisingly easy. I mean, I've done virtual training delivery before, um, both technical and non-technical topics. But it was actually quite surprising to switch across. Um, but one of the things I found is we had to kind of change the structure. You can't go with just sitting and listening all the time. You've got to bring into a lot more interactivity into it. Um, and running quizzes virtually has been quite popular. I, I like Mentimeter as a tool. I know a lot of other trainers like Kahoot and there's various others out there as well. Um, but they have been a huge difference. And it was a transition. You know, my diary kind of emptied overnight. I came home on the 13th of March 2020 from Dublin, where I was training, uh, to find that my diary was empty for the next couple of months. And then everyone transitioned and we kind of picked up. And it's actually been working really quite well. I know a lot of people have found the virtual training delivery is actually as effective for them. Yeah, I think we done the virtual, um, we, well, we done a hybrid one, didn't we? I, 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 for those who don't know the context, I done um, a, a training course with um, Sarah in August 2019, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So back then it was it was a hybrid training. So you have people in the classroom, you also have people virtually. And because I'm quite lazy, I don't want to leave the house much. Um, I didn't want to go into London. <laughs> So um, the virtual course that suits suit to be down to to a T basically, and I've, I've you know I thought that that worked really well. And as you said, you use Mentimeter as well, and um, I've, I've been on virtual courses before, and they they can be an absolute drag. Um, but yeah, um, the engagement and stuff like that, which which you use as well, and I know you use other stuff um, such as you stream OBS and stuff like that. So I do, yeah. That's how I've managed to put myself in front of Kilimanjaro here um, and why my chair hasn't disappeared because I'm using OBS Studio with a green screen. Yeah, and mixing it up as well ha- helps keep focus. As trainers, though, it's much more tiring than being in the classroom because you've really got to keep that energy level really high. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always say there's my training face, and then there's my post-training face. <laughs> the collapse in a heap That's like me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but talk about Kilimanjaro. Uh, that's, is that, that's something you've, you've climbed, isn't it? You've been to the top of that peak. I have. In fact, here we go. Let me use some OBS magic and disappear. That's me at the top of Kilimanjaro with my husband. I'm the one in black. I promise it is me pulling a very silly face because I was so happy but crying my eyes out. (laughs) So, yes, I I lived in Kenya as a child. Um, My parents moved out there when I was two. And I don't know, it felt like I always wanted to get to the top. And then my husband went and I couldn't go because our son was too young. We couldn't really leave him. And then one Christmas day I said, I really want to climb Kilimanjaro. And next thing I knew, it was booked and I was going. Oh, wow. <laughs> was that training? Do you have to do a lot of training um, towards that? I, I don't, I don't, I, I sh- I'm a, a mountain climber myself. <laughs> I should have done more. Uh, I'm not the most sporty person in the world. Um, 
I've always liked walking. I did my gold Duke of Edinburgh's bronze, silver and gold, actually. Totally addicted. Um, and um, went to university in North Wales. So there's, there's always been that mountain walking there. But the altitude is what gets you. And you never quite know if it's going to really hit you mm. or you're going to be able to work through it. So... When we're not in polite company, I'll I'll give you the gory details. But I made it, and I survived, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> but there was some mess along the way. Shall we put it that way? Yeah, we'll leave that off for the camera and for, yeah. this, for, the, for the podcast, possibly. <laughs> so um, that's obviously like a, a massive personal highlight of yourself. What would you kind of say is a is a big career highlight for yourself? I think. For a personal achievement, it was achieving the Microsoft 365 Expert certification. Um, Because I've come from that non-technical background, uh, PowerShell was terrifying. I love PowerShell. It's brilliant. (laughs) I've got books and books behind me of PowerShell. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I I know enough to be dangerous. And that's that's all you need to be. Uh, I probably know too little, but I'm still dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no it, it's not it's not me i i much prefer the admin interface but then again that's why there's variation isn't it but that I mean, yeah sorry, the admin interface is great but i say obviously with something like powershell it just makes life so much easier i mean when i was working for a big uk bank i had to basically use powershell with ldap looker mm-hmm. so using old style technology basically now um the basic query directory and like it was just to basically to run the actual script itself against that environment took eight hours if i had to do that manually via a gui i'll probably still be there today <laughs> yeah Working I, hours. it's definitely a very very powerful tool um but if you think if I kind of put the spin on it, I'm coming from being an office trainer. Yeah. And I'm using PowerShell. It's terrifying. But I say it is a good skill to learn, even just, just the basics, because it's, you know, transitional across every single Microsoft workload. Yeah. It's in the cloud, whether that's M365 or you're going into Azure, you've got that, that, that knowledge that will basically help you through situations that, you know, sometimes you just can't do it, can we? So, go sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that that actual passing that certification, that was the first one I did. That was the first IT pro certification that I took was the expert, the MS 100 and 101. So that was a huge challenge for me. Um, but otherwise, the fact that I'm still training after 20 years, over 20 years in the in the business and freelance the whole time and most of my work is recommendation i mean it's it's the ultimate compliment anyone can pay you so you know i say you know, i know obviously one of your your friends andrew bethany i mean he's mm-hmm. you know, absolutely brilliant guy i knew him through the, the mvp program before knowing as an mct yeah and you know having attended um sessions of his uh you know Microsoft events as well as user groups you know it's just the knowledge that MCTs have you know is just amazing to what the, what they can basically deliver to a classroom especially in a user group of forum you know where people obviously go in there to 
you know, understand the product a little bit more and having the MCT who obviously has done a bit of the technical, but also knows all the training material behind it as well, you know, always ends up being a very good session. Yeah, um, Andrew is actually one of our regional leads for the UK. So um, he's an excellent person to, to, you know, to pick up as somebody, as a good example of the MCTs and knowing the programme and he's, I don't know how long he's been an MCT for, but longer than me. Yeah, because obviously we, we bumped into each other when I was talking to Andrew because I was asking Andrew about a particular issue that I was having with a Windows 10 um, issue or client and he then basically pointed me in the right direction and actually put me in touch with um, Michael Nealis, who's now left Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And just because he had that relationship, I managed to you know, speak to someone who's completely knowledgeable about exactly what I was having and you know, how we could get through it. It was you know, just amazing. Yeah. So because obviously this podcast is all about women in tech, I'm going to ask you, obviously, from your experience and your time being within the MCT programme, how many women actually are part of that programme? It depends where you look, to be honest. Um, generally, if you're looking at the what we call the end user training, the Microsoft Office components, the majority of people who work at, uh, with those products and deliver those kind of courses tend to be female, not all. But then when you start moving into the more technical sphere, the IT pros courses, you tend to find mainly male trainers. And I'm ashamed to say you do sometimes get delegates who, when you walk into a classroom, be it physical or virtual, do say, oh, are you the trainer? But you're female. Um, And are surprised whether I think it's good that we can still surprise people. But I think it's sad that they're surprised that a woman would have that those skills. But is it surprised yeah. that they've that they've got you they've that they think you've got those skills, or is, or is it just surprised that they've actually that a female's actually there presenting and they're just not used to that? Maybe it could be either. I I don't really dig into it because as far as I'm concerned, I think my certifications and the course speak so for themselves. Yeah. Um, and my job is really to to deliver the training, to do a good job and make sure they're not surprised next time. Yeah. Yeah, as I said, I, I think you, you, you you're obviously the, the, not obviously, but you are the, the only uh, female trainer I've had um, within working for, going through the provider that we have. I think I've done about three, four courses. Mm-hmm. But you're yeah you're head and shoulders over the rest of them to be fair. <laughs> so and and that's not necessarily a gender thing, you know. No. I know there's some as you as you well know there are some great trainers. I mean Andrew's highlighted Andrew Bettany who who is obviously well obviously I say from his name you would assume he's male, <laughs> and you'd be correct. Um, but you know. It, it's still IT is still predominantly a male world. Yeah, I think the, the kind of thing that you have, which is kind of a bit of a crossover, I would say kind of that the the teaching world is predominantly female, um, from my experiences, um, and um, and then, but you're going into a world of teaching in a tech world which is predominantly males. So you're kind mm-hmm. of a 
a, a mismatch of of um, <laughs> of stereotypes in work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I kind of prove and disprove virtually all of those. Yeah. <laughs> is that even in my son's primary school? Literally, nearly every single teacher there is a female teacher. Yeah, you see, I always think that we should work to what we enjoy, and I really enjoy what I do. Um, and I think that speaks to me as a person rather than me as a gender. Um, yeah. And I, I love helping people. You know, it doesn't matter if I get through all the objectives by 3 p.m. and we can leave early. I want people to leave my courses knowing more than they came in. I always say if you leave with more knowledge and more confidence in the product than you had when you started, then I've achieved what I set out to achieve. And maybe women are genetically more likely to be to have that kind of personality. I don't know. This isn't my I might be female, but it's not I'm not a geneticist. I'm not an expert in that area. But I think you do tend to find the the personality suited to the kind of nurturing style of training, if you like, is typically more female. And I think that's how, why you how would you encourage learn. more women to become MCTs who are not just MCTs as such, but stepping away from the end user training and doing more of the technical? I don't. I'm not a person who subscribes to the fact that we need to proactively encourage any gender into any profession. I think we need to ensure that the doors are open and that people see that the doors are open. And one of the ways we can do that is by showing that people do successfully do the job. Now, people, I, I do successfully work as a IT pro trainer. I am female. John's paid me a number of compliments today. So I obviously do a good job. Um, and I think by being visible and and by showing it's possible, that's how we can encourage people to, to go for things that they want to go for. But I worry if you try and be too proactive, you push people into roles they don't want to go into. Yeah, Just... Um... With that kind of, have you ever thought about actually going into a, a, a technical role or starting down that technical um, um, role avenue? Because obviously you've, you know, you've you said you've you've, you've passed the MS one hundred to one hundred and one. I know you've done all of the SC um, exams as well now. The MS Teams exam. Have you ever thought about going down the the, the technical route? You mean um, a more hands-on admin? Yeah, role like delivery. Yeah, or admin or yeah. I just love the training. I really enjoy the experience of getting to the end of the course and seeing, you know, the light dawn in people's faces, yeah. the, the eureka moment, uh, or talking to people six months down the line going, you know that little gem? Well, that saved me yeah. X number of hours. That's so rewarding that I don't know if I'd ever give up the training side of things. Maybe a bit more of a mix. Mm -hmm. I, I do a little bit of consultancy as well and some SharePoint um, development. Oh, don't say that word. 
Well, SharePoint site building, shall we say, rather than development, because I'm not a coder in any way, shape or form. Um, no, Andrew banned the word SharePoint from, uh, from, from his podcast. Um, it's not allowed. <laughs> no, it's fair. Like, I mean, SharePoint's not for me. Um, and I've said it many times in this podcast, but you know, I respect people that basically have gone down that route because it is a skill within itself, understanding how SharePoint all hangs together. And obviously, me, myself, obviously, you know, my background is Skype for business. It's Microsoft Teams. <laughs> SharePoint's part of that. And I have to, you know, my tongue. Yeah. I was going to say, how can you how can you claim Teams if you're not willing to at least pretend SharePoint exists under the hood? I say my my, my way of you know accepting my, accepting SharePoint, shall I say, is removing the O from the word. So it's just basically sharing points in a pub or mm -hmm. in a bar, wherever. That, that's the way I accept it. But no. Okay. I, I, I respect anyone that does SharePoint. I mean, I say I've worked in the IT arena now since I was 17. That's like 18 years ago now. Saying that makes me feel old, but hey ho. Um, you know, it, whatever you do, and how, how Microsoft is basically built now, you know, you need to have a skill set that basically covers a whole of M365 suite. You can't just be a specialist anymore. I mean, you do, you do, you are going to get them specialist people. And you know if that's what interests you, being dedicated to that particular role, a particular product, then mm -hmm. fully go for it. Or go back to the the old ways now, which people are are doing, becoming more of a, a generalist across the field. Yeah, I think people within Microsoft 365 world tend to be more devices, more Exchange, or more SharePoint. But as you say, you're, we're we're pretty much covering the the full. The full gamut at some depth at least yeah i said before the world of obviously office 365 minutes you know as soon as it started getting forced upon us you know you had that them silos of yeah i'm an exchange person i'm only going to deal with exchange online everything else i'm just going to basically ignore but then as time grew on and the products basically started merging the lines getting blurred it's like yeah, you have to basically be a specialist in everything yeah i think even in my experience i think i i started off with the exchange route then and I was like, oh, I've just got bored of exchange now. Let's move on to something else. And then now I just kind of, I think I'm, I'm definitely more of a generalist now because I've done, I do a lot of Intune, Teams, Exchange, OneDrive, every, everything under the sun except for SharePoint. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't persuade people to love SharePoint, can I? But that's how I. Uh, that was kind of like my route into the server side because I was working with project, project server, the project I was on, um, the project lead said, oh, look, there's this new product called BPOS coming out. Let's go and find out about it. You know SharePoint. Do I? Okay. Well, you've been using it. All right. Okay. Fine. <laughs> off we go. Yeah, and, the, good, the good old standard. You've used it once, therefore you're an expert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I have a lot of I have a lot of time for SharePoint. Sorry. So anyway, <laughs> if, if people don't really know you, you are very um, active on um, on LinkedIn. You're you're active. You've got your own, own blog and stuff around um, um, the training and in the Microsoft mm -hmm. world. Kind of is that is that kind of like a, quite a usual thing? I think you're the only person I've really seen who's really active on that. What I quite like is um, I, I, I shared it. I, I, I shared the post and stuff was. Um, 
your breakdown of, um, of of a course and where to look things up on uh, Microsoft Docs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's a suitable way of of, of learning? That might do yourself out of a job here, but is that a suitable <laughs> way of, of of learning and going through? Or uh, yeah. So um, what you're referring to is the the MS700 blog yes. I did, wasn't it, with the breakdown of the yep. materials and where you can get all the information. I think everyone learns differently. Um, I personally don't usually get the luxury of attending a course, which mm-hmm. is quite sad because um, of what I do. But being freelance, it's quite a challenge to actually sit on a course. So I personally prepare for courses I'm delivering or certifications I'm looking to take by going through the topics and finding references and pulling the information together. Mm-hmm. I think if you're quite knowledgeable about a subject, then sometimes the course can feel quite heavy, and quite a big time commitment, mm-hmm. and therefore having a list of topics that you can go and just cross-reference is quite helpful mm-hmm. yeah i quite like that way as well to be fair um going through the docs looking through docs and also um like we have um, access to extreme labs and of course where marketing mm-hmm. and stuff like that so I, I like to do a bit of a cross cross between them between them all mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I've, I've managed to learn quite a few of the recent exams i've done is, is mm-hmm. that way but if yeah, I'm gonna say if you haven't seen that, then people listening definitely definitely um, take a take a look at it. It's, it's really helpful, especially if you're looking for the MS700 exam. Yeah, um, the, there's quite a lot of um, people who do the exam breakdown um, uh, in their blogs. There's quite a few out there if you go looking for them. But realistically, I think. If you were going to do something, if you're going to prepare for an exam, any of the Microsoft exams, I would always recommend however you get to the point of being ready to take the exam. When you think you're ready, go through that list of all of the objectives, tick them off, the ones that you know and the ones you don't know. Go and search for that title in Docs. (laughs) The ones you don't know, guess. I would say, I mean, the the pass mark is 700 out of a thousand points. We all know that they're not equally balanced each question. You really want to be about 80% confident. You want to be confident in 80% of the the topics before you take the exam. That would be my top tip for anyone preparing for an exam. Yeah, I have a friend who, um, he was a stationary salesman um, this time last year uh, this time in march stationary salesman covid happened and obviously um i think it was made redundant or something along those lines and he's always always enjoyed it um and i think he'd done done a couple of saturday jobs and stuff when he was a lot younger and he said to me what what should i do i was like well first of all go off the aa the ai um the az 900 he he quite liked the look of his jaw and going that way so he's now going through. He's done the AZ nine hundred. I've helped. I helped him along with that, and then um, he's now doing that. He said one hundred four. So he's he keeps on doing the practice exams over and over again. I was like, just go and do the exam itself, and then and 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 and, and go from there. You, you, I but think isn't it a great experience to help someone get that certification? Isn't it really rewarding? Yeah, um, but I've just kept trying to get him to just do the exam now. I'm just like. 
the thing is with Microsoft exams is I think there is a way to do them. Um, I don't think I think you can have a a good idea of what the what the course is and and kind of what's on there and, and the technology behind them still pass it with that, but the way they've kind of word stuff and how they uh, and how they put the how they put the answers I think are quite sometimes a bit obvious. <laughs> Some of it is I think if you've got a really good underlying knowledge and it comes back to yeah. the point Andrew was making you know that that kind of IT generalist knowledge if you've got that then there is a part there is part of it that's the skill of taking the exam. I think one thing one of the challenges I'm having with some of my colleagues at the minute is um, some of them obviously come back from the exchange perspective some come from other technical backgrounds but having you know that experience in a lot of the cloud stuff they've not really done it and you know the look at you know what's in say um, MS 101 for example where it starts covering off a bit of security a bit of Microsoft Intune and so it's not their normal day-to-day -day and what they've done in the past so it's like that kind of what puts them off a bit trying to take their exam. Well I would I always say that MS 101 and uh, MS 100 are the consultant level exams although the numbers would indicate it's the introductory ones they're very much not it's no. that it's obviously the fundamentals um that would be the introduction but i always tell people to take the the yeah, associate level exam the two-star exam in the field that they're after so the exchange um a specialist i tend them down that route i would then try to encourage everyone towards the security Exams yeah, it's become for... really big now, isn't it? Security, especially yeah. say you've got like one, one of the questions I'm going to ask is what's the difference between someone doing MS 500 and now doing all the, the role based security games? So the SC, the SC. So the MS 500 looks across the whole of the Microsoft 365 suite across identity, information protection, security, compliance, right the way across. But you're, you're a Microsoft 365 person. You're not a security person with that. So when you start going into the security exams, say the identity and access administrator, so the SC300, that's focused very heavily on the on Azure AD. In fact, it's basically Azure AD. But it's not just Azure AD as it relates to Microsoft 365. It's yeah. It's taking it further. Yeah, because they go into Azure portal and stuff like that as well with that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the external apps and, yeah. you know, how it links into. I've been to that exam. Absolutely. I've been to that exam. <laughs> well, I, I would be quite um, happy to say I still don't know how I passed the SC200, the security operations analyst, you know, all of the Azure Sentinel playbooks and so on i won't be teaching that one in a hurry i always think if i'm going to teach a topic then i need to um not only be able to teach what's on the out on the course but i need to know that little bit extra as well yeah because you always going to get smart answers sorry leave that out like me <laughs> on, on a course that i'll ask um a, a, a question which which is a bit above and beyond what what's probably on there 
Yeah, I mean, you always get people coming to the course who want to know something slightly outside of the yeah. course. You're doing the Teams admin, you get asked about the word I'm not allowed to say, the SharePoint word. Um, <laughs> you get asked about the Office apps. You get asked about Intune, which isn't in yeah. the Teams admin course. So you've you've got to be able to go outside of your topic area if you're going to do a good job. Yeah, so you've got to be very as a trainer, be very broad across all the different areas and understand at least how it all yeah. works together. So I have certifications that I won't teach. Yeah. Okay. So how do you so go back a bit? How, how do you kind of prepare for a new course that, that you that you teach? What, what goes in behind that? So it depends because uh, I do custom courses as well as the official Microsoft courses. So for one of the official courses, there's always the um, structure of the course. You always know what the topics are. Usually the materials are available before you deliver the course. Sometimes you only get a week. Sometimes you only get a weekend. Depends on the scheduling. That's a, a little bit more of a challenge. But um, I, if I'm delivering a Microsoft course, I'll go through, first of all, the PowerPoints that they give us, because um, they give you the top level overview. And then dig into the manual if there's something that I personally am not confident as to what the PowerPoints are getting at. Um, obviously, to deliver these courses, I've got to have passed the exam yeah. as well. So where they tie up with the exam, I've obviously done my exam prep beforehand. And you usually get the exam objectives beforehand. So I've obviously gone through those and any areas that I was weak in in the exam I'll go and study those study up a bit further in those as well okay, okay. I've got one last question before we are kind of running quite close to time Sorry. is obviously being a trainer how do you deal with the challenges of Microsoft being Microsoft and updating and releasing things on a weekly hourly basis um, my favorite word is currently Correct. <laughs> Currently, it does this. <laughs> Tomorrow, no. um, in, in all seriousness, I I do put time into it. Uh, every morning, I check the message center in Microsoft 365. I have RSS feeds looking at the roadmap um, that delivers an update into Teams on a daily basis for me. So it makes me laugh because it makes me laugh because like whenever I see an RSS feed, it's either from one of you two. <laughs> so both of you do it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I use Power Automate to basically scrape um I think a website called um is it Roadmap Watcher. Exactly. Roadmap Watch, RSS yeah. feed, Power Automate into Teams, comes in about half two in the morning. Check it every morning as I'm eating my breakfast. The only um, thing I, I found with just basically using the raw RSS feed from Roadmap Watch is it doesn't render very well into Microsoft Teams. So I've actually basically used Power Automate to pull it into Teams and it yeah. actually puts it in a proper table format and then I kind of like copy it out and then post it to my blog every, every time I get a new update. Yeah, personally, I don't like the RSS connector, the formatting of that into Teams. I, I also run it through Power Automate. And there are some, if you're not a Power Automate fan, there are some great templates for picking up an RSS feed. Just tweak one of those. Yeah, it's, it's really, really simple to do. Is like, Super easy. 
Yes, so, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, get, I'm not. If, if there's an update out there, I normally get it for one of you two, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> or you could follow me on LinkedIn and Andrew, and we'll post it all out for you. you know? <laughs> there's, even, there's even a link to like um, my category on my blog, so you can basically subscribe to that and then just basically get it into your, your email. There. there you go. Yeah. I, I, I must admit, I pick and choose the things that um, I find interesting or I think people who I interact with will find interesting. But um, I also use the sync from the Microsoft 365 Admin Center into Planner. Okay. Um, and from that, I assign myself tasks for when features are due to be released. And I'm an amazing. addict to Microsoft to do, I'm sorry. But it then pops up to the top of my list and shows me, this is due now, go and check it out, see if it's there. I love Microsoft to do. I'm trying to convince my partner to basically use it for me. So every time she wants me to go and do like a little like shop or something, you know, just put it into the to-do list and I'll go, I'll go and grab it. But right, um, Sarah, thank you so much for being on our show today. I mean, it's, it's nice to have uh, an MCT on and obviously explaining the bit of the program and obviously how it all works because so me and John have recently become MCTs. Um, so getting that knowledge from someone that's been in the, the game for quite a long time now. Um, you know, it's very helpful. I hope people that basically listen to this today will basically have a bit more insight on how an MCT works, how you can basically keep yourself up to date and up to current with what's going on in the world of Microsoft. Yeah, and, you know, for all MCTs out there, you know, do reach out to us all on LinkedIn. I know that's a horrible phrase in English, but, you know, do get in touch. Um, we, you know, as trainers, we love to help. That's why we're in the profession. So, uh, you know, I'm more than happy for people to get in touch with me and and ask me any questions. I'll do my best to help you. Awesome. Yeah, I've used I've used today just um, to ask questions that I wanted to ask because I was generally <laughs> interested. <laughs> I think we both have to be fair on this one. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks Sarah for coming uh, for coming on today's podcast. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll see you all next time. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Microsoft Spotlight podcast. Please make sure you hit that like, share and subscribe button to help us promote our message. You can also follow us on Twitter at MSFT Spotlight and we're also on LinkedIn, the Microsoft Spotlight podcast. And finally, we'd like to tell you a little bit about Big Titan and thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Remote migrations start here. Let MigrationWiz do the work for you. It's fast, secure and 100% SaaS which means you can migrate at any time and from anywhere. Migrate mailboxes, documents, public folders, personal archives, or even Microsoft Teams with just a few clicks. No special training needed and no customer downtime. When the work matters, choose MigrationWiz.